We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for November 16th, 2014. The next report is entitled, Muslim Imam Leads Prayer and Praises Allah on the U.S. House Floor. Regarding the recent Republican victories, watch them bow at the sound of the name of Allah. They are in league with Islam, the harlot of Arabia. With newly re-elected Speaker of the House, John Boehner, presiding and bowing his head, the Imam for the Islamic Center of Central Jersey praised Islam's Allah from the House floor as the God who reigns supreme. Here is the shocking video of Imam Habib Chalabli delivering the Islamic prayer. Boehner can be seen behind him. So I'm going to go ahead and play this uh, about 2 minutes and 42 seconds. The prayer we offered today by our guest chaplain, Iman Hamad Shabli, Islamic Society of Central New Jersey, Monmouth Junction, New Jersey. Peace and the blessings of Allah be upon you. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum, meaning peace be with you, I believe. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful. So he's got to go out of his way, being the fork-tongued devil that he is, to invoke the name of Allah, knowing that this is not the God of the Bible. Okay, he's got to go out of his way to just pound that down our throats as many times as possible when he initiates this abomination of a prayer. Praise be to Allah, the cherisher, the sustainer of the world. The false moon devil god from Arabia going back thousands of years. He is the moon god. He is a fallen angel. That's all they're worshipping. They're not worshipping the God of, of heaven, the God who created the universe. The most gracious, the most merciful. Mad- and everybody's there with their heads bowed, eyes closed, um, hands folded, you know, as far as I can see. Master of the day of judgment. Oh, he's going to be in bad shape on the day of judgment, Allah, when he gets thrown into the lake of fire. The... Do we worship? says, thee do we worship. No, don't speak for me, devil. Don't speak for me. Now, all the people there, sure. I'll, I, I would imagine that the vast majority of them would have no problem worshiping Allah. And the fact that they're bowing their head and actively engaging into this, in, in this prayer, they are doing that. They're literally worshiping this devil. And thine aid we seek. Guide us. To the straight path. Oh, the straight path. Oh, the straight path of, of all of the all of the atrocities that Islam has committed, the pedophilia, the genital mutilation of their of their little girls, the raping of women, the 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 sexual molestation of small boys, the 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 bestiality that goes on. That's the straight path of Islam, though. The God of all the prophets and the messenger. Says in the Quran, lying fork tongued devil. He does not place a responsibility on you greater than you can bear. Everyone will receive 
Again, a works-based religion. Their idea of receiving the good they have done is if they can strap on a nail bomb and kill a whole bunch of, of uh, women and children and innocent people, that is the good they have done. That is the reward they will receive in paradise with their 72 virgins and white-skinned boys. Yeah, that's part of the deal that's sold to them. Okay, so that's the good, and again, it's works-based religion, which is all cults are based on works, getting you into wherever they're trying to get to. In this case, it'd be paradise. Let us pray. O oh God, bless us as we begin a new day. It's asking for blessing. Well, he's asking for blessing from Satan, so I mean, I, I, I kind of get that. Bless this assembly, bless the people and nation it represents. Oh God, at this time in... Remember, he's appealing to Allah to bless the nation. Okay, so that would be nothing more than a curse. Because Allah can bring nothing but death, hell, and destruction. Anyway, I think you get the point here. I'm not going to let this guy ramble on forever. But that's what just happened on the U.S. House floor. So, Jeremiah, this verse popped into my head as I was hearing this. Jeremiah 7.28 But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. The very fact that they would let this go on on the U.S. House floor is evidence that that verse is in full effect in America. I'm not condemning every person that lives in America. I'm just saying, for the most part, the nation in general. <clears throat> Chelebly, the guy that just spoke, didn't appear at the House floor. He didn't just appear at the House floor. I'm sorry. He also delivered Islamic prayers at the National Cathedral, which was prepared for Muslims uh, with, with their prayer rugs. They brought prayer rugs into the National Cathedral, supposedly a Christian church in Washington, D.C., and they brought Islamic prayer rugs, and he spoke there. Numerous speakers, including cathedral officials and local Muslim leaders, echoed Rasul's message, or Muhammad's, Muhammad's message about the urgent need for religious understanding and collaboration. They don't want collaboration. They don't want understanding. That's all a lie. They want domination. That is what Islam says they must do. All of these people are liars. Okay? This Imam and all of them, they are all forked tongue liars. Sent here as Trojan horses so that we will keep our guard down, which is where exactly where they want us, until the moment when they strike. With their sleeper terrorist cells that have already been in place for decades, literally here. But they're here to put their best foot forward, to put on their nice, happy face, to convince us that all of Islam are represented by them. They're not, they're not being fundamental to the faith of Islam. I think that they're being put there in order to be purely a Trojan horse. That's the only reason that they're there. We will see their fangs and their 
uh, true intentions come out when the terrorist bombs start going off on American soil. Whenever they get the green light to finally get this big, grand Islamic jihad or holy war going in America and probably worldwide. And it will probably happen in a very um, uh, short time span, meaning it's going to be shock and awe. It's going to be order out of chaos. The New World Order will be able to use this event in order to most likely implement um, martial law and these types of things. So that's what they would like to do. I'm not saying that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm saying that's what their plans are. And they've made that very clear. I mean, just today, you see where these devils, um, again, are um, beheaded another guy. And this was the most brutal of the beheadings, evidently. And um, the new ISIS video... um, like a wounded animal lashing out in fury, ISIS is be- betraying the hints of desperation. Lace video after the beheading of another U.S. hostage, Peter Kasog. Um, it's the most barbaric ISIS video yet. They 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 behead like 16 Syrian soldiers, and then this guy. Um, I didn't see the video. They're, evidently, it's the worst one they've ever put out, and it's all about them trying to. Um, you know, basically, it's it's about them saying we want free will to do whatever we want, and don't you dare try to stop us, is what it all boils down to. So <clears throat> that's Islam in its purest form. This is a joke. This is a lie. This is not Islam. It is not a religion of peace. It is a religion of death, hell, and destruction. That is the only thing that it can bring. Okay, so um, this is all about being a Trojan horse and putting this this facade, this fake facade up that we're your buddies, we need religious understanding and collaboration. Why? So that they can weasel their way into the churches so that when they do strike, they'll even be in a better position to strike because they'll know the ins and outs of all of the Christian churches and the, and the religions and they'll know how to strike us better. That's why they want that. It's, it's called being a spy and getting insider information about your enemies. Because that's what we are. We are infidels, according to Islam. And an infidel is nothing more than a non-believer in Islam. And in the, there, the Quran, it says clearly, and I've, I've said these verses over and over again, that they are to kill and to slay and behead the infidel. We are infidels. We are known as the great Satan. And yet, they're in there on the house floor giving, giving their uh, prayers. Reverend Gary Hall, Dean of the Cathedral, this is when he went to the Cathedral and spoke, spoke of St. Benedict, whom he said believed equally in the importance of prayer and hospitality, marveling at the sounds of Arabic prayers, which he called a beautiful and sacred language in the beautiful sacred space. Hall said he hoped the service would serve as a beginning for future efforts to work together for good. Because, see, it always works really well when any race yokes up with Islam. They bring such cultural advancement and such goodness and wonderfulness to the table every time. We've documented a lot of the wonderful fruit. I'll go ahead and do that again. But when he said that they would, this would serve as a beginning for future efforts to work together for good, it kind of reminded me of 2 Corinthians 6, 14-18, where the Bible is very clear to be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But see, this good reverend and I'm sure thousands and thousands like him don't care about what the Bible says. They want to throw their own interpretation and throw the Bible out the door. 
They could care less what it says. All that matters is advancing the one world religion for Antichrist and false prophet. And that's what they're all about. And they're about their father's business, Satan. And that's what they're going to do. So, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord or agreement hath Christ with Belial? Meaning the devil. Again, what agreement hath Christ with the devil? There is none. And that's like a Christian yoking up with a Muslim. There is, There should be no agreement. There should be no yoking together. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? See, they're the true infidels. Islam. They literally worship the moon god. Okay? That's why they have the crescent moon as their symbol. You know? It's the moon god. I've done whole studies on this, but it's not God, the God of the Bible. And what agreement, and if it was the God of the Bible, then the Quran would match the Bible. It would not contradict it if they were written by the same God. They're not. They're totally contradictory to one another. Well, something's got to give. Well, Allah is false. He's a devil. And the Bible is true. What if agreement have the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. If God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. This is what God says to do. To come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Be not partakers of her plagues, as the Bible says in Revelation. He says, come out of my people, be not partakers of her plagues. If you're in a church... Well, a 501c3 corporate church, I don't know, listen, I'm, you probably know how I feel about that. Yoked up with the government, right on the same train to the one New World Order religion, they're all going to be on it. Eventually, you're going to have to get off it. You know, something's going to have to give. But if you're in a church where, where this is going on, where they're embracing what they call now Chrislam, the yoking of Christianity and Islam, and there is no way you could possibly biblically commingle the two. The Bible says right here not to do it. They're contradictory devil, uh, I mean, it's a contradictory devil religion, cult, devil death cult. How could you yoke that up with Christianity? Well, when you're full of compromise and, you know, when the Bible doesn't matter, I guess it's pretty easy to do. But we're not, we're not supposed to do this. We're supposed to be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So that's what we are supposed to do. We're not supposed to yoke up with them. There is no Bible for that. And my comment is, with the headlines like the ones below, this is just from the last week. Now, the last teaching I did, I, I said the headlines just from that week. Well, these are just from this week, is a total confirmation that Christians and the world in general need to be need to be yoking themselves up with this, quote, religion of peace. So these are confirmation that we really need to do this. We need to yoke ourselves up with this. What is the first, what is the first headline read? Ah, Islamic supremacy. Raping white women for Allah. 98% of rapes in Denmark are by Muslims now. Denmark isn't even a Muslim Islamic country. But this is what happens when you let these cancerous, malignant rats infest your country. 
I talked about where in Sweden they've got like 25 now no-go zones where they've taken over their own soil to the point where the cops, ambulances, firemen, nobody government can even go in. This is what happens when you give the devil an inch. He takes a mile and he never stops taking until you stop him from taking. They go after the white women. They want to rape the white women. That's what they are obsessed with. I'm sorry if that sounds me racist saying it as a white person. I've had some listeners say you're a racist because you brought up that fact. What? How is that my fault that they're raping white women? It's not my fault. It wasn't my idea. I'm just saying this is what they say they're doing. They want to get the white women, they want to defile them, they want to sell them out if possible, and, and, and have as many Muslim men rape them and defile them as possible. This is part a huge part of their agenda. Why they're so obsessed with white women, I don't really 100% know that. I'm just telling you what they're doing. So this is some good fruit. Uh, and, and all the more reason we would want to yoke up with this religion. There are only there are only ninety eight percent of all rapes in Denmark are by Muslims. That wonderful fruit. And see, they think they believe that they are mandated and that they have every right to do this to take sex slaves like ISIS is doing. Watched a video about that the other day. How all of these ISIS demon possessed wild eyed devils in one room, and they were literally going around the room interviewing. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm waiting for my my." Uh, Oh, sex slave, ha, 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 you know, and, and they're, and they're all like just perverted devils and, and all underage girls they're waiting for to basically use up and discard like trash. That's what they're, that's what they're all about. They're all that and more. Next, next report. New Iranian Muslim law proposes 74 lashes for dog owners. See, I want to show I want to show the hypocrisy of this devil death cult as well. 74 lashes, Muslim law for dogs. See, they don't like dogs. You can't have a dog if you're in Islam. Can't eat pork. Uh, they got the most asinine things. They will strain at a gnat, as the Bible says, and swallow a camel all day long. Rape little boys, generally mutilate little girls, treat their own wives like total garbage, kill people, behead them, rape, steal, kill, bomb, kill infants. That's all good. That's all wonderful for Allah. But don't you dare have a dog. A dog. 74 lashes. A new law proposed in Iran would make walking, owning, or selling a dog a crime punishable by 74 lashes and a fine of $370 to $3,700. This is how how mentally deranged, perverted, uh, deluded, darkened their minds are. They're, they're, They're so, I mean, everything is opposite. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. To them, evil is good. A dog? 74 lashes. Well, why not just the death penalty? Oh, I'm sure that would come later. Okay, so let me just read you a little bit of this first article so I can explain this because I, I wanted to know a little bit more about this whole raping the white women thing. Islamic supremacy is the convoluted mindset that all non-Muslims are refuse 
are refuse, refuse, meaning garbage, deserving of torture, rape, and various other forms of violent subjugation. Why don't they talk about this on the House floor or at the National Cathedral? What Islam's true intentions are. At its core tenet of a barbaric ideology that propounds the dangerous, um, dangerous and feckless notion that if you're not a Muslim, you're not human. That's right, you're not human. And it is this very mindset that has led to the disquieting epidemic that currently grips Europe. Of course, I am referring to the Muslim rape gangs that have battered and raped thousands of young white girls throughout UK and Europe, preferably with blonde hair. Islamic supremacy dictates that white women, in particular, are, quote, bigger whores and, quote, dirtier sluts than most other non-Muslim females. So I guess that means they need to be punished more. In a recent report issued by British authorities, at least 13,000, 13,000 adolescent white girls had been sexually assaulted in the city of Manchester by rape gangs over the past six years. This is in one city. Where are their parents? Where are the lynch mobs of parents out there fighting for their own daughters? Is what I would like to know. I, that's what I, I guess I don't understand whatsoever. 13,000. They're daughters to some parent. Where are the lynch mobs of these parents fighting this evil? That's what, I don't understand that at all. This is in one city in Manchester over the last six years. And if you include the number of assaults committed in Rotterdam or Rochdale, the total chillingly approaches 20,000. While European leaders label even the slightest critique of Islam as, quote, racist, Muslim men with near impunity purposely target white women for rape and torture. Not only are the rates of conviction low for these scumbags, but for those who attempt to expose and or stop this nefarious practice become casualties of political correctness. In 2013, 98% of all sexual assaults in Denmark were committed by Muslim men. Wonderful fruit of this religion of peace. These Islamothugs have such ravenous appetites for blondes that Danish women reportedly stated, started dyeing their hair black in an attempt to avoid being raped. I said they're doing that in Sweden too. They're doing it everywhere over there. But they're not limited to the UK and Denmark. They are occurring from Italy to France and Norway at an alarming rate. The Quran teaches Muslim men that non-Muslim women are, quote, captives of the right hand. That's in Surah 4.3, uh, 4.24, and 33.50. Those are like their Bible verses. And therefore, nothing more than, I can't even say what they say, for their twisted sexual proclivities. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That's Islam. That's Islam. Right there, in a nutshell. Here's another attack. Here's another um, reason that we should be yoking up with them. Another report from this week. Just from this week, violent group of violent Muslim militants attack and attempt abduction of three U.S. Navy sailors at port in Turkey. If you don't believe it, you can see it on there. These guys are doing nothing. They're at a port in Turkey. They're dressed in street clothes. And these idiots just come up to them in this big gang, and they just start, like, throwing stuff at them and provoking them, and basically, I mean, literally, I think they would have been killed had they just stood there and let them do whatever they want. They had to ultimately run away. They were trying to put bags over, they did actually put a bag over their head, like a plastic bag you could suffocate somebody with. 
I mean, these guys were doing nothing. They were minding their own business. But that's Islam. It is the most prejudicial, hypocritical death cult on the planet. As far as, as, far as the damage they do overall. There's, I don't think there's anything that could compare to it. Next report, just from this week. Suicide bomber kills 47 students at Nigerian boys' school. Government officials named Boko Haram as responsible for another horrific attack at a government school. They're the ones that kidnapped all the schoolgirls that killed 47 and injured 79 young students. More fruit of Islam. All the more reason to yoke up with them. I mean, who could argue that? So going back to the main article, Rashid Makhukdum, a retired engineer from Potomac, said he believes the message and symbolism of this event this meaning, this guy giving this uh, prayer at the cathedral and on the house floor, this would reverberate throughout the world. It should be a lesson for Muslims everywhere that we and Christians are all one. Don't speak for me, Rashid, please. I am not one with your devil death cult. I have nothing to do with it, nor will I ever. I will expose your devil death cult every chance I get with every breath I take if I can do it. We are not one with Islam. I pray their souls be saved, but this is pure evil. And it's increasing every week. The evil that they are perpetuating and getting away with. So it just makes me want to scream all the louder. But that wasn't all true. Fortunately, there appeared a... Now, this is at the cathedral... There appeared a Deborah, a Jael, a Judith, in that one Christian woman made a scene when it became obvious that an act of conquest and harlotry was taking place inside the Washington Cathedral. As she screamed out, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We're going to talk about that next. More of a positive tone here. Christian booted from National Cathedral speaks out. This just came out uh, yesterday, this report. Christine... Wake is approached by security at the National Cathedral in Washington. Uh, uh, this is a, there was a picture of her being approached by national security on um, at the Washington National Cathedral in Washington, November fourteenth, as she proclaims, "Jesus is our Lord and Savior." It was supposed to be a shining moment for proponents of the interfaith movement. The Islamic Juma or Friday call to prayer would be held on America's grandest Christian stage, the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. So now they're really finally making this all official. They're literally inviting Islamic clerics into Christian churches on a national level and packing them with Muslims to basically totally symbolize in your face the absolute takeover of corporate 501c3 whore Christianity in America. It's where it's all leading. I've said it for years. I got out of it a long time ago. I practiced what I've preached. I won't be a part of it. Sorry. I'm not going to be a part of this garbage. I'm not condemning people that go to a 501c3 church. I'm just saying, I've been there, done it. Been in many, many, tried it. Pentecostal, independent fundamental Baptist, King James only. I mean, you name it. I've been there, done it. Went to a Catholic high school. Went to a Lutheran middle school. I know what it's about. It's not like, you know, I'm some puritanical uh, dude that, that never ever experienced any of what I'm talking about. 
I just can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't be a part of this. I, I see where it's going. It's all going down the same train track. Ultimately, there's a whole bunch of different train tracks, okay? And ultimately, they're all going to merge onto one train track, going down the same road to the new world order, to the one world religion under Antichrist and false prophet. That's where it's all going to end up. You take a benefit from the government, you take those subsidies, you take your, you can write it off on your taxes because it's a 501c3 church. Well, there's a price for that. And because they gave that church its right to literally exist. They gave it its corporate charter. And they will, and they appoint the pastors, the CEO, and the deacons of the board of directors according to IRS guidelines. There's a price for that. Who created you? Who created that church? It wasn't God. It was created by our wicked government that has a wicked agenda that's only getting more wicked by the day. If you want to know more about that, go to independent, fun, uh, independent, uh, unregistered, um, baptistfellowship.com, I believe. Yeah. Or key in those keyword searches. And, and, and get the book, um, Trail of Tears Revisited by uh, Dr. Greg Dixon, who literally had his whole church stolen from him uh, by via SWAT team in Indianapolis Baptist Temple years ago. Kind of been there, done it. And you get that book, and, and if you want to know more about actually um, getting your church out of that system uh, or starting a church out of the system, they've got legal people that can help you do that. Barbara Kate and Dr. Greg Dixon, and I think there's one other person, and they can help you get you moving down that road. So there, there is, there are options, is what I'm saying. Okay, so let's go further. <laughs> this Islamic Juma on or Friday call to prayer would be held on America's grandest Christian stage, the National Cathedral in Washington D.C. It was a bold move that had never been tried. Leaders of the Episcopal Cathedral said sending prayers up to Allah from a Christian church would show the world that the two religions at odds with each other. We're not, listen, what have Christians done that have been so at odds with Islam? Islam at every turn has tried to annihilate Christianity where it finds it, at its fundamental roots. I'm not talking about moderate Islam. I'm not talking about lukewarm Islam that'll get you killed in the future if you don't toe the line, if, if you don't you know, do what the more radical elements are telling you to do. The, the radical elements are just being fundamental to their faith. That's all they're doing. The radical elements are being good Muslims. The, the, the lukewarm elements are at, are at, um, are either Trojan horses, done there, sent there, knowing exactly what they're doing to put their best foot forward, to put that nice smiley face on, to make you think they're wonderful. Or they're, or they're lukewarm, and they'll be they'll either have to toe the line or be killed. Because the fundamental Islams have no use for them. But remember, Islam is a big deception and lie. It said in their own book, it said that Allah was the best of all deceivers. Well, if they're supposed they're supposed to follow Allah, well, then they need to be the best. They need to emulate their master and to try to be the best deceiver they can be, too. So you can deceive in Islam. You can deceive your enemies. As long as it advances the, um, the agenda of Islam, you can deceive all day long. In fact, they encourage you to do it. So they're just lying when they get up here and say, oh, we're religion of bees and all of this other stuff. 
and say that we all worship the same God and, and all this interfaith dialogue and, oh, we just need to collaborate and cooperate. That's such a lie. They're laughing behind closed doors at all of us, how stupid the Americans are or other, other, these other nations that have led them into their country and they're, you know, now they're up to raping 98% of the female population. So that's, that's a good statistic. It's one I would really, you know, be proud of owning there, you know. But they have no shame. They have no shame at all. If it's evil, if, if, if that evil is condoned in the Quran, well, hey, it's good. So it says that um, the prayers went up to Allah from a Christian church, which showed the world that the two religions at odds with each other for centuries could approach the same God. Quote, the same God. Well, yeah, they could approach the same God, Allah. Small g, not capital G. As a body of one idolatrous believers. Well, I guess, yeah, he's got a good point there. Don't, don't, please don't confuse us with the God of the Bible. Because you're not approaching the God of the Bible. God of the Bible has nothing to do with any of this garbage. This is an abomination to him. This is a stench in God's nostrils, as the Bible would say. That's all this is. The stage was set, the prayer rugs were neatly arranged, facing Mecca. Do you believe this? In the Washington Cathedral. I understand the Washington Cathedral is an, is an apostate den of hell. I, I get that. But they're making it really official now. The light shone down on the imam for his opening remarks, but not so fast. Christian Wyack, a 50-year-old Michigan woman with flowing blonde hair who lives out of her car, rose from the packed National Cathedral, the Hall of Halls, of, in terms of religious prominence in America, and moved toward the front of the church. She pointed to the cross hanging overhead. The Muslims had set up their prayer rugs in such a way that their backs were turned on the cross, which they consider an alien religious symbol. Jesus was a prophet, but not, but not the Son of God, and never died on the Roman cross, according to Muslim teachings. Yet they found themselves staring at a woman who demanded the cross become their center of attention. She blurted out the message she traveled all the way from Tennessee to deliver. She said, quote, Jesus died on that cross. It is the reason we worship him. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, she said. We have built enough of your mosques in this country. Why don't you worship in your mosques and leave our churches alone? End of quote. <laughs> I love this lady. <laughs> Man. Woo. Wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. She immediately heard voices in the crowd yelling for security. Imagine that. Black coat, white scarf, blonde hair yelled one. <laughs> so the security could identify her as if they wouldn't know she was. Uh, we need to get her out of here now, another one said. They were yelling for security, and at that point I was already done saying what I came to say. And this is only two days ago this happened. Um, she was pro promptly escorted out of the sanctuary by two men in suits who handed her off to the police officer. Uh, you can watch the video. The, the thing is, I'd play it, but it's... It, you can hear her, but it's pretty faint, you know, so it's not going to be really good for audio, but you, if, if you can definitely hear it if you... Uh, because, I mean, it's going to be a recording of recording. But I give you the link if you want to see it and hear what happened. Um, anyway, it's right here in the, in the PDF. 
So, she had instantly become a folk hero of sorts for thousands, if not millions, of Christians who read what happened and watched the video that was posted on the internet. Uh, now, Wyke wants everyone to know that she did that she did not get arrested, and she is safely back in her SUV, traveling back to Tennessee. It was quite an overwhelming day here yesterday, she said, and while she was lauded for her bravery, she confided she was literally scared to death as she waited for the, the right moment to stand up and proclaim the gospel message. I mean, yeah, it, that's scary stuff. I mean, you are there, and you are in total, total, 100% enemy territory in this, in this particular um, situation. It reminds me of when Taylor and I went to that um, abortion rally, the pro-abortion, essentially. It was the Morality Monday in Asheville. I don't know, it was like a year ago or around there. I don't know. And we found, we didn't even know. We just saw these cars streaming, and I'm like, oh, what's this about? I knew Asheville was wicked. We were literally going by there to go to Tennessee, to go to Gatlinburg. Um, which is where I saw the foreign um, Ukrainian-Russian. We witnessed that. We pull in there, and I've told that story, but I mean, we saw, I literally looked around, thousands and thousands of people there. And I saw one guy holding up an an um, anti-abortion sign. And all the people started gathering around the guy, and um, I went over to him, and um, like Taylor was behind me, and I put my, my... hand on his shoulder, and I said, I said, I'm here with you, brother, and, and, because he was literally getting thronged, I mean, I don't know what would have happened, but it was, it could have got real ugly, I mean, you had all of these rabid lesbians, in particular, around him, start screaming at him, and, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's quite a unique feeling, when you get in that type of situation, and scenario, you just have to rely on the Lord, you know, because, I mean, if they attacked you from a physical standpoint, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do. Because, I mean, there's there's literally thousands of them. But, remember, the Lord Jesus Christ created the universe. So, I mean, he could do whatever he has to. He could blind them. He could do whatever, you know, to get you out of that situation. I believe there's going to come a day when those types of things are commonplace. When the Lord's strength, his power, will be made known to the reprobate, infidel devils out there. I mean, and these were some of the worst of the worst. And then you had this this guy, this black-robed devil up there, who was their leader, this reverend guy, who, you know, it's pretty bad when you go to a supposed Christian Morality Monday rally, and the reverend, you've got all of these gays and pro-abortion people cheering this guy on, loving every word. I mean, this is the state of Christianity in America. I mean, I wanted to vomit even being there. All I could do is pray against the wickedness. Eventually, we stood there with this guy, and I just, I was just staring at these people. If they, if they wanted to whatever, I was right here. I mean, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm going there to get no fist fight or anything, but I just wasn't going to back down. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. You know? I mean, it's like when David goes out and sees Goliath and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares bring a railing accusation against the Lord? That type of thing. It's, I mean, I'm not saying that, I, I'm saying that in a hypocritical way, like I'm so much better. But it's, it's kind of, you kind of can relate to that. That feeling that you get. And, and this is what I'm sure she was feeling at even a greater degree because every, everything was, was focused in on her. 
Um, we eventually had a cop come up from behind and basically kind of defuse the situation. But that could have that could have turned into. I mean, that is Sodom and Gomorrah there in Asheville. I mean, that is one wicked town. This is the most wicked town I think I've ever been in. Uh, maybe other than Key West. Overall, I mean, Miami. I can't. Even, ugh, I hate Miami. So wicked the feeling you get when you go in there. But from a from a concentration standpoint of witchcraft, lesbianism, pro-abortion, I had never been in such a concentrated area where all these devils were congregated in one spot. And we were literally there. I didn't even know what was going on, but God did. We just happened to be driving through there on a Monday. And we just were touring around Asheville because I was there were some castles that where I knew they did human sacrifice and wanted to see if I could find them so we could at least drive by and pray against. What had done there? What, what's being done there? What would be done there? We and we just we saw these cars like, you know, like some big deal going on. I'm like, what's this? So, you know, but God knows those things. The Lord knows these things. So anyway, going back to this. Um, so she went back to Tennessee. She said it was quite an overwhelming day yesterday. And while she was lauded for her bravery, she said she was literally scared to death. And she waited for the right moment to stand up and proclaim the gospel message. She says, they never said a word to me. Two guys came up and got me. I remember one large man in a suit taking me by the arm very strongly, but he did not hurt me, she said. He just put one arm in me and said, we are walking this way. Then comes the police officer, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm done. I'm still in the sanctuary at this point, so I put my hands for the officer to arrest me. And he just held my hand and walked me to the back of the church. He handed me over to a woman officer who takes me to the front doors of the church. She hands me over to another officer, who takes me to another officer in the foyer, who takes me out to the road. Not one of them said a word. I was free to go. She said that she told the last officer who led her to the road to have a good day, to which she gave no response. She returned to the vehicle and soon afterward drove home. See, the Lord can get you out of those jams. I mean, he can do it. I'm telling you, can can supernatural in the keyword search box on contendingfortruth.com just just hear about some of the things God's got me out of. And I went actively sought, like, the most evil things I could try to get in the middle of. And the Lord's got me out of it every time. I'm not saying I've always sought it, but I have sometimes. I felt led. And, and um, he can get you out of it. I'm telling you. He created the universe. He's perfectly capable of that. So, um, she returned her vehicle and soon afterward drove home. But, except she doesn't have a home. She said her husband divorced her last year over a spiritual conflict. Hmm. And her family disowned her because she took a stand against same-sex marriage and other moral issues. Hmm. Doesn't sound like she's in the wrong to me. Whatever the reason her husband divorced her. Uh, it doesn't sound like she was unfaithful to him, that's for sure. <laughs> and if her kids disowned her over same-sex marriage and other moral issues, uh, I got a feeling that this woman is totally in the right. And she's just being persecuted for her own faith. Which is going to become more common, and that's why Jesus Christ said, Think not I come to bring peace on this earth, but I come to bring a sword. And a man's foes will be they of his own household. You know, you know, father against uh, son, daughter against mother, that type of thing. And this is what you, you see that playing out and living it out 
in her life, and I'm sure in the life of a lot of my listeners who are alone. I have a lot of women listeners that I know are by themselves and alone and not thrilled over the prospect of what is coming. You know, it's it's bad enough if you're a man and you see what's coming, but if imagine being a single woman, a single Christian woman with no friends in your area or, or whatever, because there's just so few that, that want truth. And, and how do you find them? It's hard to, to, to have any kind of network. Even every time it seems like I've tried to ever form those types of things, they always get corrupted with bad doctrine. You know, and they always turn into a disaster, and somebody has to has to show that they're how spiritually superior they are to everyone, and then ruin the whole thing. I'm just saying, it's kind of been my experience why I'm so gun-shy about it. You know, and I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not qualified to be a pastor. You know? Pastors to be the husband of one wife. I'm single. So I'm not, you know... I don't, I don't qualify, nor am I called to be a pastor. So, you know, it's the, it's the most common question I get, but um, it's important that we pray for each other and listeners pray for other listeners and that we pray for the widows and the single women and, and those that are weak and, and, and needy and, and, and at a, you know, physical disadvantage and at a... At a, at a um, financial disadvantage and maybe there there's people out there that are um handicapped or disabled and they're not able they're not able to get out of the current situation they're they're right in the middle of a, a wicked city you know and so i just you know it's good to remember that 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 we pray for them um in those situations because that is incredibly important so this particular lady who has been basically a Sounds like driven from her own home, lives out of her SUV, have have had her 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 children abandon her over moral issues, and I don't know what with her husband. Sounds like a, that was the same as well. The impression I get, I can't say for sure, but um, going back to her, it says weeks since she learned of the Muslim prayer service two days before it was scheduled to happen through an article posted on Drudge Report. The more she thought about it, she felt the Lord was telling her to go to Washington and say something. She said, quote, my blood began to boil as I read the comments of how this is to be such a wonderful event and how religious tolerance can be, for the first time, be shown in our nation's capital. Oh, yeah, I know, makes my blood boil too. She still said she, she had nervous doubts after making the 400-mile trip from Kingsport, Tennessee. That article got my attention, and then I googled the Washington Nation, National Cathedral, and I got more information about the service. She said, she found out from the cathedral's website that the event was for invited guests only. That's when I knew I had to be creative, and so did God, she said. She, she wasn't sure what type of creativity would be required, or even if she was doing the right thing, as she headed out on the road to Washington, D.C. In fact, she almost turned around. Um, but she said, I was driving there on my way from Tennessee, and I got all these doubts in my mind. Am I going to make a fool of myself? Am I going to jail for the weekend? But as she drove down the highway in the right lane, she passed a strange woman. There's this woman stepping out of her vehicle on the side of the road, clapping and giving me two thumbs up. <laughs> and I'm like, that was the strangest thing she said. The first thing that went through my mind was, that's confirmation right there. That's all I needed. And from that point, I knew there was something I was going to do. 
And that was the catapult that moved me going towards Washington. And obviously it was God's will that she did this. So you never know what the Lord may use to kind of spur you on your way. <laughs> that's so funny. I mean, think about it. Have you ever had anybody do that on the side of the road? I mean, that's like not common, you know. It wasn't like you were going by like one of those payday loan centers and they got the guy dressed up like the Statue of Liberty giving you the thumbs up or dressed up like Donald Duck and he's going around there trying to get you to order more pizza or something. No, this was some random lady on the side of the road that was giving her two thumbs up on the interstate. (laughs) That's funny. She said she only told four people where she was going and that's what she planned to do. She asked for prayer. I said, you need to pray for me. This is what God has put in my bones to do, she said. I, it didn't hit me until I got in the cathedral and saw all the people and the cameras sitting on my right. And I'm thinking, this is a big deal. I'm going to be put in jail. <laughs> she credits God for getting her into the massive church, which was guarded like Fort Knox. Everyone had to go through a checkpoint to make sure they weren't armed or posed a threat. It was God, it was a God thing how I got past all that security in the beginning. They never ID'd me, and I had brought my ID with me just in case. And I thought that that would be my downfall, being from Michigan, that they would say, what is she doing here? I guess maybe she had an ID from Michigan, but she lived in Tennessee. Anyway, um, Weeks said, according to reports, that was a heavy security event. They checked every bag and every person that walked in there. I bet some security people are in big trouble today. But see, God can make you invisible to people, to the right people. He can literally make you invisible. I'm convinced of it. Like they don't even see you. Anyway, um, she said, I slipped through unnoticed, first by following a security guard and then by later engaging in the conversation alongside a woman with press credentials. I just followed the security officers when they were going from place to place. I just followed them, she said. It was almost like they didn't see me, like I was invisible. Um, then uh, we got through the security line about 10.15 a.m., more than an hour and a half before the prayer service started. She needed to lie low to avoid detection. She noticed a janitor's closet was left open near the bathroom and briefly thought about hiding in it. But a fear of being locked in in that closet persuaded her against the option. She slipped into a bathroom instead. When I was in the bathroom hiding out, that's when it hit me. I think I'm, I think I'm invisible. I really wondered the way it happened. Just strange, totally strange. And someday I'm going to ask God how all that worked out. <laughs> uh, and while hiding in the bathroom and waiting for the service to start, she rehearsed over and over what she would say. She prayed constantly with an emphasis on Psalm 27. So I think the main key here is she had people praying for her and she was praying. Okay, that's what opened the doors for this to happen. Um, and, and I'm, I was told a long time ago by, um, a particular Christian lady, and she said, as I was just getting into ministry, she said, with what you're called to do, she said, there is no way you will survive. There is no way you will survive. You will be killed if you do not have people praying for you. And she told me that one way more than one occasion. And I, this was like coming out of the darkest time of my life. I hadn't even started the ministry yet. I was just a mess. I was under God's chastisement. Oh, I mean, I was a man. I didn't, didn't even know about the ministry that, that maybe God had planned for me. I knew what I felt led to do, um, but I didn't know how that was going to play out. I didn't know if that was going to work out. And so, 
I can totally relate, you know, with this thing with the prayer. And, and that's why I'm so appreciative for the prayers that um, our listeners pray for, for us, for Taylor and myself, and for this ministry. Because I truly believe without them, we, we would have been gone a long time ago. I really do. I mean, I know I, I would have been. Um, but God can preserve you. He can make you invisible. It's no problem. <laughs> you know? But you do need to have the faith to believe that. You know? And if you don't have it, then ask God for more faith. And and read and listen to the Word of God, because that that's what builds up your faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So... Let's go forward. A woman was washing her hands at the sink as Wyke left the stall where she was hiding. The woman had a press tag on her blouse. And she said, I asked her if she knew what time the service was to start. And she replied, in a few minutes. Do you, do you know where to go? She asked her. And I didn't. She said, follow me and I will take you to the front. The woman said, I walk with her in the main foyer up to the security line. We walk right past the guards and into the sanctuary. I was invisible, still having butterflies fluttering in my stomach. As she took her seat, she was shocked at what she saw. About a hundred people were sitting in chairs around rugs that were placed on the floor. They got to bring their devil prayer rugs in there. Muslim women separated from the men were seated on the rugs. And they were in full Muslim hijabs, the whole thing. All you could really see was their, I think maybe their face. Everything else was covered. Um, And um, they were separated from the men, seated... uh, from the men were seated on the rugs. To her right was the news media with their cameras and recording equipment. In front of her were the prayer rugs. Then it hit me. I had such an angst come over me, seeing these Muslims sitting on the rugs ready to bow to a God, causing such an abomination in the house of the Lord, she said. (laughs) Yeah, amen. The imam said the call to prayer would begin momentarily and spoke some words in Arabic. Uh, Wyke felt her heart thumping in her chest. I prayed, Lord, I prayed... Lord, tell me when, at that moment, I saw a figure of Christ on the cross some distance away. I stood up. I was so nervous, you'll never know how scared I was, she said. But see, the thing is, is God will use a person like this. Because she's admitting she was scared. She's, she's admitting she was humbled. She was admitting that basically, I'm scared to death, God. I can't do this apart from you. I can only do it if you do it through me. I am totally dependent upon you. I am nothing without you. See, that's the type of people God uses. The Bible says, To this man will I look, to him as of a contrite heart and a humble spirit, and trembleth at my word. The Bible talks about that in Isaiah, I believe, 66. That's just one area where it says humility is connected with the fear of the Lord. And God loves humility. He loves that. It's It's... One of the few things in the Bible that the Bible ever talks about that really pleases God. Because what are we going to do? Be proud in front of God? Oh, yeah, I'm this and that. I'm such a great Christian. Oh, really? Oh, no, you need to humble yourself. See, she's humble. So I have no problema whatever believing that God would use a person like her to do this. Humility is the prerequisite. I'm telling you, it, it is. So she kept. So she said, all I kept thinking was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, humility. And that's my only strength. Again, humility. I could not do it through me, humility. But we have an amazing God. He shows his strength in my weakness. Humility. That's my motto. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. I was reading, I literally added this in 
literally, I was getting ready to get started, and I was just scanning the current events, and I'm like, I saw this, I started reading, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta have this in here today, I gotta put this in here, you know, this is like a really, and we always report on such horrifically negative stuff, and although this is a negative event, this is a very encouraging, faith-building, um, really good, puts godly humility in perspective type of story, report. So, going forward, she started to speak firmly and loudly, but not out of control. What she said was not the same as what she had rehearsed in the bathroom stall. She said, I did not plan on those exact words coming out. I was going to say it differently. I was planning to say, I serve a risen Savior and Muhammad is dead. But I saw the cross and it just popped out of my mouth. Um, I was not going to say it that way. I rehearsed it the other way over and over in the bathroom because my biggest fear was making a fool of myself, but it did not happen that way. Even if she had failed and made herself a fool, it could not be more painful than what was already uh, what I've gone through in the past year, she said. I took a very strong stand on something last year. My husband divorced me over it. It broke my heart. I have a lot of heartache back home, a lot of hurt, she said. And I felt the Lord telling me, you are going to go from place to place for me now. Uh, while she lives out of her car, she doesn't consider herself homeless. She says, don't be sorry for me. She says, I have a very nice SUV. I go out to eat. I have a bank account, she told WorldNet Daily. I am just too Dutch to pay 60 to 70 bucks per night for a hotel room when I could spend the nights in my car. Um, you know, like the Dutchmen, they're, they're like real spendthrifts, that type of thing. Uh, anyway, I travel every night from place to place, and that is what I was doing when I saw the story on Drudge Report. And again, you gotta love her spirit. I mean, <laughs> golly. Oh, praise the Lord. So, WorldNet Daily's first story on the prayer service drew hundreds of comments from readers. Many lauded the lone, unidentified woman who stood up and rebuked what they saw as a worship service to a false god inside a prominent American church. Among the comments were, one, one comment read, They shielded their eyes from the Christian cross, but could not shield their ears from the truthful words of this one brave woman. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Then the next one, we should all pray to have courage this woman displayed. The world needs it. Our nation desperately needs it. Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. So, next one, I would speculate that this brave woman who proclaimed the gospel was the only Christian present, and they and when they threw her out, and they threw her out, commented a reader who quoted from John 6-2, they will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour's coming, then whoever kills you will think he is offering... Well, he's doing God's service. That's not KJV, but um, it's it's another version. But I, I think you get the, the point there. Um, and then the next comment read, Bless this woman, Jesus Christ is the Messiah and salvation for all that believe. Acts 4.12 automatically comes to mind. Islam and Christianity are opposed to each other. No matter what any pope, priest, or cardinal says, you cannot deny the Son and how the Father and Islam denies... Um, Oh, you cannot de de deny the Son and the Father, and Islam denies Jesus is the Son. Um, but Wyke said she did nothing outside of what God gave her the strength to do, and she doesn't see herself as any hero of the faith. The weakest of Christians could easily do the same thing, she said. That's why I posted on Facebook this morning. Um, I was like, come on, Christian soldiers, we need to fight. We need to fight using the gospel, the word of God, she said. There are Muslims everywhere. Just walk up to them and say... Um, Jesus is the Lord. Be brave. And then I put in here Psalm 94, verse 16. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? 
That really came into my mind as I was reading that. I'm hearing that many Muslims are getting dreams. This is white talking now. Uh, maybe all it takes is one to have a dream after about being told that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't know. That is God's deal. I will let him work it out. We just need to have, be bold in the Lord, and we don't need to be burning their mosques down like they burn our churches. In other words, you don't reward evil for evil. Like the Bible says, you're not, you're supposed to reward good for evil and stuff. And I mean, listen, I'd be the first one to admit when, when you, you report on all of these things about, you know, raping of 98% of Danish women and all the horrific stories were reported. I mean, listen, you know, godly anger, righteous indignation is an attribute of God. And it's impossible to not have those feelings. Um, it's hard to, uh, oh, I guess reconcile that and then, and then rewarding, you know, good for evil in this type of thing. And I think it's why it's importantly to, to, uh, remember in prayer that this is a spiritual battle, that these are literal devils and demons working through human containers. These, these people are what you would refer to in the occult as a walk-in. Meaning, they are literally a vessel for a satanic entity to work through. They're, they're like, they've left the building. They're soul and spirit. It's like, I don't know whether their soul and spirit is so suppressed that they can't even, you know, <laughs> Uh, operate anymore with it because they've given such place to the devil that they're literally like satanic robots just doing the the work of Satan. Um, but if we remember that, it's it's easier to to um, I guess have a, a mercy on the person, you know. Uh, whereas we can pray against the, the, these satanic entities that literally operate through these, these people. And I think this is where Psalm 64 comes in. Because it says, For when God, God shall shoot at them with an arrow, suddenly shall they be wounded, so they shall make their own tongues to follow upon themselves. If you think of that in spiritual terms, meaning you're literally praying that against the spirits that operate through these people, that, that the spirits would be pierced through, that the spirits would be bound up and rebuked, and cast into the abyss, you know, where they could do, where they could not operate through other human containers. These types of things are, are good to remember um, in prayer. And I'm as guilty as anybody for, for, for wanting to focus on the person. Because it's, it's hard when you see all of these atrocities being committed. And then it get, being given this, this, this um, elevated... Status where you can't say anything against it in the press, being glorified as a religion of peace, when it is so obviously not. When it is so obviously the exact polar opposite. It makes you want to tear your hair out. So, again, I'm not the gold standard for, for anybody to look to as far as emulation of how you should act. I think what I just said was pretty close to how we should be approaching it. And, and um, you know, I understand the Bible says bless them that curse you and these types of things, but you don't want to say, well, bless them, bless this wicked evildoer that he may bless, that he may um, uh, uh, continue on in wickedness and, and further kill more people or rape and pillage. And No, of course you don't want that. You want that to stop. And God can do it. God can stop that. You know? Um, how he chooses to do that, that's, that's his doing. But that's more likely, or definitely more likely dealt with through prayer and fasting. 
you know, and through also through education of other people, which is a big reason this ministry exists, so, because if we don't know these things exist, how would we even know to pray about it? We really wouldn't. So, <clears throat> going further, um, so, we have the gospel, she, she ends by saying, we have the gospel and that is our only weapon. We need Jesus is the Lord and we need to proclaim it. But how many times do we do it? Also, Chick has a lot of really good resources. Chick.com. Not Chicks, but Chick. C-H-I-C-K. I heard Chicks.com is not good. <laughs> um, but Chick.com has a lot of really good um, resources for all the really re- big-time religious cults out there. Uh, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, uh Hindu, Buddhist, the whole nine yards. But they've got several really good Muslim tracks and a lot of good Muslim books and resources and how you could, if you feel so led, if you're in an area where you're interacting with a lot of these people. Or even to leave the tracks in areas where you know Muslims frequent. You know, that that's another thing to, to uh, think about as well. Uh, and pray over them before you put them out. Pray over the tracks. Because I think that's as important, if not more important, than putting the track out itself. And again, I'm as guilty as anybody for not probably doing that enough. Um, but I believe with the prayers, it can really be much more focused and targeted in on where that track ends up and whose hands it ends up in. Because God can guide a person to that. Okay, so let's go further. Um, but before weak became bold, she was humbled. So then my, the verse that came into my mind there was Proverbs 15.33 where it says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. See, fear of the Lord is connected with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and also protection, among other things. So the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. True honor, in God's eyes, is what we're talking about here. We're not talking about that which is highly esteemed among men, which is an abomination in the sight of God. We're talking about godly honor, which may be the type of honor that people on this earth would, like, I'm sure the Muslims didn't honor her. I'm sure a lot of, of the, the liberal press and the liberal clergy that were there thought that this woman was, you know, from hell or something. Who knows what they thought. That's not the type of honor, though, we need to seek. Before true honor is humility in God's eyes. Okay, so she goes on to say, it was a situation in my life how God yanked every anchor in my life over the last five years. Just everything that would keep a woman, a normal woman, a normal mother at home just got yanked out from under me. She said, and I have a son and a daughter, and they disowned me, and I took a stand against gay marriage, and I lost them. She, she lost her son and daughter over gay marriage. I've heard a lot of my listeners tell me they've lost their family members just over Christmas. But one thing. A good old pagan Satanist with old good old Satan claws celebrating the you get the Yuletide occultic devil birth uh, 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 birth of the sun god Tammuz. That's all it is. It's the birth of the sun god Tammuz. That's what it's celebrating. That and other things. The winter solstice Yule. It's not the birth of the Son of God. That's how the Catholics, quote, became totally paganized way back when and tried to Christianize. 
a pagan holiday. It was always known as Saturnalia for hundreds of years. Still is. It's the birth of the sun god, Tammuz. But they try to say, oh no, it's the birth of the son of God, Jesus Christ. No, never was that. And you can't take something that was wicked and place some religious label on it and, 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 and say that it's holy. You can't take a pig and put a nice, put perfume on it and put a nice golden earring in it and say, oh, now this is a clean animal. It won't act like a pig. Can't do it. It's the same with Christmas. Same with Halloween or Ishtar. They're all pagan holidays. A lot of my listeners have lost their family just over that. The holiday thing alone. You know, I dealt with it too when my mom and dad were alive. They knew where I stood. They couldn't stand it. They couldn't stand it. Easter wasn't a big deal for them because they were, you know, at the time they were unsaved. They didn't really celebrate that anyway, but, but Christmas was a huge deal. I, listen, I know. I've been through a lot of the same things that my listeners, uh, like, will email me and, and complain about. I, I think I've practiced what I preached. But this woman took a stand over gay marriage and she lost both her son and daughter. They disowned me. What kind of reprobate devil would disown their own mother over over the issue of gay marriage? I don't know, maybe one of them was gay, I don't know. But see, the devils that inhabited their flesh, that was such a, a near and dear issue to them, they had to literally disown their own mother. And her husband divorced her. I would imagine over something along these lines, some more, more morality issue. So she was humbled before God used her for this. So see, there was a guy, a preacher named Melvin Sisson um, in Somerset, Kentucky. I've heard him preach many times. He's a friend of mine. And he preached a, a sermon entitled, The Film is Being Developed. And that when, like, you know how the, the old Polaroid cameras, they take a, a picture, and when it first came out, it was just gray. You couldn't see anything. And you'd have to, like, put it upside down on the table and give it a few minutes before the image would actually come and you could actually see it. Well, when something's when we're in the middle of something, we may not see the image. We may not see how this is going to work out for good. All the stuff that she's going through that's humbling her, where she's had everything yanked away from her to keep her a normal woman, a normal mother, a, a normal wife, she said just got yanked out from under me. Her own son and daughter disowned me because of her stance she took on gay marriage. But... And, and still, in her case, the film is being developed. She didn't, but I guarantee if she would have still stayed in that particular situation and everything would be hunky-dory, she probably would have never been in a position to drive up to that National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. God had plans for her. And she was a willing vessel. That's all he, re- he really wants. He just wants, are we willing? Are we going, would we be obedient if he called us to do that? Would we humble our, would, and a lot of times that's going to take humility in order to get you to that point. And evidently that's what happened here. She goes on to say, that is my heartache and it hurts me so much and I wonder what they think now when they see me on the news. Meaning, I guess, her, her son and daughter. They're probably mortified. I mean, they sound like they're liberals. Pro-gay. Um, whatever. But God doesn't see her that way. 
You know? She's probably the apple of God's eye. Whereas the unsaved, liberal, pro-whatever, pro-gay, pro-abortion, pro-Muslim world, look that, I don't care. Whatever. Life is not a popularity contest. Especially not a popularity contest among <laughs> the unsaved. I mean, if that's where your concern is going to be, you're going to have a rough time. There's no, there's no, can't be worried about that. Goes on to say, Wyke said she doesn't know what her next, quote, assignment will be, but she knows now she can tackle almost anything. She said, I told the Lord last night, okay, you can take me now, but I, but I don't know, she said. I think he may have other plans for me. Per Jeremiah 9, Jeremiah 29, 11, which I looked up, which says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. This is God talking to, I believe, Jeremiah. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, in this particular case, yeah, if he had thoughts of peace toward you and not evil to give you an expected end, that means that you weren't going to go out in you know, a horrific way. You're going to go out in a good way. A way that, that he had preordained to, to use you in. So, anyway, I thought that that was a really awesome, just, I know I need to talk about stuff like that more often. Taylor was just telling me that. And it's true. I do. It, it, it's so hard to commingle it with so much totally negative, evil stuff. Um, but I will try to make more of a conscious effort to try to get to more things like that. Uh, and hopefully this will become more commonplace as well. Um, I really believe there's just going to come a day when, when we're going to see this commingled with God's power. Literally commingled with, with God's, you know. I mean, not, not this Pentecostal stuff. I'm talking about, I am talking about God's true demonstration of righteous, holy power in situations like this. That all men will see and fear and declare the work of God, that they will wisely consider of his doing, and that the righteous shall be glad, and the Lord shall trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory, according to Psalm 64. That's the reason. God's name be glorified. They shall see and fear God. What happens in that environment? People get saved. That's what happens in that environment. People get saved. And that's what it's all about. So I will end part two here, and we will go to part three next.